Hello guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm very pleased to say we've got what uh, I think has been described as one of the major players on the Gloucestershire sports scene in my living room in Cheltenham right now. The sun's streaming, beautiful September day. A man who's uh, been involved uh, variously with the Gloucestershire Cricket Club, the local cricket club, has helped out at the football club as well, has been a big racing man helping with the, the Cheltenham Horse Racing Festival, much more besides, and also run a very successful hospitality business which revolved around sports, both in the area and national events as well. It is uh, Chris Coley. Chris, how are you? Good to see you. I'm fine. I don't know who told you all that, but I must have, <laughs> I must have paid him, I suspect. Well, it's amazing how your name comes up when you go to different circles. We actually met physically because I'd heard of you previously through John Finnegan, the Cheltenham Town player and now marketing manager at Cheltenham Town. And he said he'd been in, into your house, which is right on the cusp of uh, the park in Montpellier. And he, he sort of mentioned, and I bumped into you at Fergal O'Brien's training yard, which is a, a strange location. Yeah, there were various sporting hats, I suppose. But uh, yes, that was a sort of wet, windy morning up at the yard. But uh, here yeah. we are in your cosy sitting room. Yes, we are. Yeah, nice and warm. Had a cup of tea. Uh, very uh, very English, uh, English affair. And um, I know you're big into your, your English sports and cricket in particular. But take us back to to where it all started for you because you weren't initially born in, in Gloucestershire. You were a, a Birmingham boy and you say you look out you always look out for the blues football results before before anyone's Yeah, Birmingham City supporter in those early days and was born just after the war and lived in Birmingham Shirley just near Solihull yeah. till nineteen fifty one. My dad had been in the RAF, came out of the RAF, didn't know what to do, actually became a golf pro of all things. He was a scratch golfer. Wow. in Birmingham at Blackwell. Um, that was a proper job, mind you. So uh, he then... <laughs> Is it not as lucrative as, uh, as potentially... Couldn't, have been, couldn't no. have been then, I imagine. But he, he and Mum then came to the Cotswolds to a pub called the Mason's Arms, as it was then. Yeah. It was bought by a Birmingham butcher. And uh, that pub, 1951, we first moved there. Yeah. Within a few years, they turned it into a major uh, eating house, steakhouse and... The meat used to arrive from Birmingham on the train, and uh, wow, yeah, they did very well. And this is the highwayman, highwayman the pub it's now. The is highwayman, it? as you now know it, Birdlip bird to Sirencester Road. Yeah, stagecoach outside, which in days when I was at school up there, I twice remember chasing that stagecoach down the road <laughs> when the ag college students used to come regularly on their annual ball and pinch yeah. it and. I was in the car with Dad chasing it, I remember, one night. They were taking it away, pulling it away. On foot, were they? Yeah. No, no, they were not on foot. They got a tractor, of all things, really? pulling it back to the ag college. Yeah. Wow. So, so agricultural students, that's how they, uh, how they let their head down. In those days, they were very wealthy. They, they drove flash cars. They came up and down that main road. One or two of them actually killed themselves and oh, no. uh, came to the highwayman for their stakes. Yeah. So that's based in Sirencester, isn't it, the uh, ag college? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, that's interesting. And it's got a good pub garden now. Actually, um, so but you didn't. But it's interesting. But sport, in terms of you following your dad's path, he never took up golf. That's no. Was he, that a rebellion against him, or was it he was, not? Yeah. It was. In all honesty, it was. Yeah, he put me off for life. I was a reasonably gifted sportsman and played everything else, obviously. But he kept telling me how good I'd be at golf if only I'd play. I'd go occasionally with him, but I sort of dug my heels in and almost spited him really. And I suppose my folks. The latter part of my time when I was at school here in Cheltenham were splitting up and that probably didn't mm. help. So, 
Yeah, I regret it now because um, I yeah. probably would have been a reasonable golfer. You know, yeah. you find as well, if you went into business, as you, you, I get text messages now, do you play golf? You're like, no, unfortunately not because I don't want to go and sort of uh, have a business meeting or a networking event where you're hacking into the, the rough and effing and jeffing and stuff. It's, <laughs> but it seems a good uh, social lubricant of a sport, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Well, being honest too, though, the few times I've played, I haven't found it easy. If you took me out now to have a game of tennis or table tennis, something like that, I'd yeah. more than hold my own, even at my ripe old age I know because more of a crossover from other sports you think other sports a moving yeah. ball but yeah. if I'm honest I actually found it quite difficult yeah the swing's not natural is it I don't think. no and uh, I just want a moving ball thank you very much yeah, yeah it sort of focuses the mind in a different a different sort of and way and it's a very selfish game I think too I hear my chums talking now and they're forever talking how they took an extra shot on that hole or whatever else. oh really there is, there's not not much of a team game is it to not be honest. gentlemanly to, to well it's that, not yeah. teamly I don't think no I, I, I like a bit of banter on a team sport yeah having to, yeah that's interesting my brother was um, he never really followed me into playing football as a kid he, he liked rowing which was a very individual sport to a certain extent and had a small team potentially but he liked to, and he did karate and martial arts and stuff. So he was very much in the sort of individual stuff. Um, but you was you you were living there, and then you went to boarding school in in Wales for a bit, didn't you? And then Cheltenham College was it? What were the sports at school? Because boxing featured here. Because I cover a lot of boxing, and I never had a chance to to box at school. But it it seems like for a young man having a bit of discipline and you know controlled aggression is not a bad. Thing. Yeah, I did have a chance to box at school. Yeah. Regretfully in the end, because I got my nose smashed in. You can probably see now by a guy from Radley in an inter-school competition, and that was that was my last fight I remember. But yeah, boxing in those days, we turned up once a week, I think, to train in the gym. Why the hell I did it? I've no idea. Really? It wasn't much fun, but yeah, I was captain of boxing, believe it or not. So was captain of boxing? Did you? Did you was it like cricket? You had a hand in selecting the the other boxers, or was it just a sort of the motivation motivational leader role? <laughs> motivational leader yeah. I thought upon it like that I can't remember making sure I got the gloves yeah <laughs> yeah. did you get did you get something out of it though as a person did it did it inform your character yeah it made me scared I think to be honest I don't know if it did really? much else yeah. I certainly never knocked anybody out no no but especially in a sense you think it does create a respect for, for the reality of violence doesn't it in a way and makes you sort of maybe more peaceful minded as a as a young man. Oh, I take your word for that. Then. Yeah. <laughs> so you did the boxing and, and but cricket seems to be the yeah. one of the, the major threads playing wise as a young man. Well the, the college here where sport was all for me, yeah, I played cricket, rugby, hockey even and ironically probably at hockey I might have been a better player at hockey than anything. But really? that's a fair, yeah, but I, I, one year I played centre forward and I think right half of my third year I kept goal. Yeah. And, <laughs> why has that never become, because obviously it's big in the Olympics, the, the women's and the men's hockey team, but why do you think it's never become a sort of bigger professional sport? I think it's probably because there's no physical contact, to be honest. Yeah. You, you, you just sort of twist and turn a bit and you make the odd foul, but yeah. there aren't too many sticks flying around hitting each other with or anything. But yeah, it just never has caught on has it, as a spectator sport. But I actually played a game where we beat Radley 10-0 that's a bit wow. of rivals at school I kept goal probably never te- touched the ball but almost a unique sporting experience I think because there was a guy there who played for Cheltenham College went on to get a blue and an international scored all 10 goals and that takes really? some doing yeah all it's amazing goals. yeah in any sport um, yeah so you were a goalkeeper so you had all the pads and stuff oh, in those yeah. days yeah 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 but if you're in a good side, there's no point being a goalie because <laughs> you literally don't even get a back pass like you yeah. might in football. Yeah. yeah. 
But it must be quite scary, isn't it? Because the ball's hard and they hit it hard as well. Oh, yeah, you're well padded up. Although I suppose in those days you didn't have quite the protection. I don't think you even no. wore a mask, to be honest, in those days as they do now. No, you talk about that with, with cricket as well. Was it... Cricket, it's... yeah, I've never worn a helmet in my no. life. No. No. No way. And what, what was it about... Did you find cricket built a certain type of character? Because obviously there's different forms of the game we talk about now, but the, the patience of, of being able to, to keep, keep your wicket? Yeah, yeah I, I just think cricket's the greatest game of all because of the, the mixture between being an individual sport and also a team sport. And yeah, I used to think a lot about the game and I enjoyed, I think, being captain of a cricket team well, throughout my whole life more than any other yeah. sporting experience. And did, did that parlay, you were a very successful businessman afterwards, did that parlay into that in the sense that you used strategy, the planning side of cricket, did it, did it help, you think, with later on in business? I think, it, I think it probably did, and also with contacts and the sort of different people you meet mm. on the cricket, or any sports field, but the cricket field particularly, and how you do get or try to get the best out of them and try yeah. to understand them. And yeah, I think through life and certainly through business, that, that sporting link with people has been a great asset, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's funny that, isn't it? The nature of cricket as well, because everything can be social, but your Sunday morning football game, you go and roll around in mud for an hour and a half at a high tempo, whereas... With cricket, you're out on a on a field for the day that you get to form alliances and and just connect with people. Yeah, what other game goes on all day? It doesn't, and that's probably our problem these days. That's why the younger generation are not so keen, and cricket mm. is probably struggling, certainly at club level, because it just takes up the whole day, and that's just too much time in this day and age. So uh, that's a problem. And you almost um, you eat together and drink together. You got your lunch break and your tea break and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's an antidote to modern life. I wonder if we'll come back to it and think actually we're sick of living at ninety miles an hour. Maybe we, you know, that that sort of more restful approach to life and thoughtful approach could be could be good. No, I don't think so. To be honest, because you say you eat and drink together, but in those good old days, we certainly used to eat and drink together after the game and have a great social time and get to know the opposition. Yeah, that was all part of the deal. Cheltenham would go and play Cardiff in a Western League cricket match. We'd go out with the guys from down there into Cardiff for a meal in the evening. Well, that sort of thing just doesn't happen anymore. And you find in club cricket these days, people don't even stay for a drink after the game. The players, the players, the social side has yeah. just disappeared entirely. So you're never going to get that back. Let's be realistic. Is that the professional side of it, or is that the no? That's the amateur side. Yeah, of it. yeah. Really... Lo- local cricket, just very, very different to what it used to be. I say the good old days. Yeah. Who am I to say? Is that because people's lives are busier? You think they've oh, got to go on and do things? And, totally, yeah. totally different. Yes, and commitments here, commitments there. In the good old days, the good ladies used to make the teas and come and join in, but. <laughs> That just doesn't happen, yeah. it happen That's, anymore. Yeah, you see that dual parent role, don't you, where the dad might go and play cricket, but then he has to go and take the kids and put oh, them to bed or something a, there'd like there'd be that, a yeah. deal somewhere to be had, indeed, yeah. yeah. Or brownie points here or brownie points there. But no, life changes. Life moves on. We're all, yeah. We all have to learn to live with that. But you became a teacher, didn't you? With, yeah. After, after Cheltenham College initially, and that was English literature. But were you work, involved in sports while you were teaching as well? Yeah, I think the teaching of sport came before the <laughs> teaching of anything else, to be honest, but... I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school and I was reasonably bright, I think. But I never can't remember ever being questioned about whether to go to university or not like this these days. Most people do. I never well, yeah, went to university. I, I think that conversation might be happening again because of the cost of university. But certainly when I went to university, 
you know, nearly 20 years ago now, it was very much almost a, a mandatory thing that everyone went, unless they had a particular trade they were good at. Yeah, and it was just never discussed, or perhaps it was obvious I wasn't cute or clever enough to go to university, but and I didn't know what I w- wanted to do, so I went off and taught for a, a year, which became two years, like it's a bit like a sabbatical these years, but you I went off to teach in the prep school where I'd been at school up in North Wales. So uh, yeah, that's what I did and got, got a bit of a bug for teaching, not with the intention of going to teach for the rest of my days. Came back to Gloucestershire after that experience, thought hard, and for some reason, I can't think how, I went off to GCHQ here in really? the as an executive yeah. officer. Because uh, probably I'd done languages at school and... French, German. So what time was this? Was this around the time of the Cold War and everything like that? Was that part of, part of the agenda? Or? Oh, I'm not allowed to say what oh, I yeah. might have been doing there. Yeah, the, yeah. Whatever the Secret Act might be now. Still, <laughs> I still remember ongoing, signing yeah. a bit of paper when I went to work there uh, saying I was not allowed to discuss with anybody at any stage of my life what I might have been doing. But uh, yeah. all I can tell you is I got very bored very quickly and I lasted 18 months and thought I just can't be doing with this. So uh, it's, it's, funny, it's funny you say about secrets because I've met a woman at bizarrely took my daughter pony riding which she was saying her son-in-law was works at gchq now and i think it can be frustrating because if he's had a difficult day at work there's nothing you can divulge to your to your significant others so it's a very secret it's a very private sort of life that you bottle up in a way oh, i think it might be more fun these days when you see these uh, thrillers on television perhaps but i can assure you i, I didn't get yeah. to bottle too much up i don't think but anyway all, all I do know is that after 18 months, I decided again that it wasn't for me and what should I be doing and teaching I'd done. Te- I wasn't qualified, as you can imagine, I've not been to university or yeah. college. But um, Did you not need to be qualified in those days? It was more about... Well, in those yeah. days, you could teach in a private school without a qualification and I then took an external yeah. uh, course and got qualified an IAPS teaching diploma that meant I could teach in a in a private school, prep school. And yeah. I, I then went and did 10 years at Stouts Hill School in Ewley, near Dursley. Okay, yeah. Where um, I had great fun, taught English, and uh, produced the school play and took the school trips and did all that sort of thing. And at the same time, the school were very good to me and allowed me to go off and play my sport. And mm. um, life was good. Yeah, brilliant. And the, and I think it's interesting you organise school plays and things because later on in your life you then evolved in logistics and organisation organization of hospitality and sporting events and, and things and things like that. But the interesting point came, I, I believe, obviously you had a, a massive life change, didn't you? A divorce came and then and then a, a sea change of where your life's direction went, which was connected to sport as well. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, 1977, I got divorced and just, I think, almost a pretty sort of rash decision, it seemed at the time. Really? I thought if that's the case, well, I'm, <laughs> if I'm getting divorced then, I hadn't got any children, so I hadn't got any real commitment in that respect. Yeah. So I was, uh, I said, all right, let's, let's jack teaching in, I'm going to do something else. But I had no idea what I was going to do. And I left teaching and kindly a friend of mine, Pete Bateman in Stroud, had a sports shop and let me work there basically for over 12 months and still not knowing what the devil I was going to do. What type of sports equipment were they selling in 1977? Was it? Oh, trainers had very much come in there. I remember yeah. shelves and shelves of trainers. Trainers had suddenly become a fashion item really? in, the, in those days. They've become, le- they've become leisure wear, not just yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I just, started, just started then, yeah. So he was very kind to me and then 
I just had this very chance meeting on a pedestrian crossing in Stroud with a guy who was the assistant treasurer at Gloucestershire Cricket Club. <laughs> he was coming across the road to our shop to buy a squash ball. I remember it vividly. And I'd played cricket against him. His name was Alan Vaughan. He played for cricket in the Western League for uh, Westbury on Trim. Ah. That's where I met him. And he, he said, on the other side of the road, hey, you wouldn't fancy being marketing manager, would you, of Gloucestershire? <laughs> and I, yeah, you laugh, I laugh. Yeah. Hadn't a clue what marketing meant. No idea whatsoever. Okay, Probably need three degrees now and uh, well, you know, two hundred people. Who knows what you might, yeah. might need now, but... Yeah, why? Heck, what's all this about? And he said, well, funnily enough, Graham Parker's been taken ill and we're looking for somebody. And um, I said, fine, yeah. So uh, off I went, literally within a few weeks to be marketing manager of Gloucestershire wow. with no qualification, no skills, no anything. But I was lucky. It was just at the time when corporate hospitality and sponsorship were taking off in a big way. And I was just reasonably organised, efficient. I suppose I could write a reasonable letter and respond to people's inquiries. Yeah. And off I went and the bookings came in and they thought I was, um, was it... pretty good at my job, I think. Well, it's interesting, that, isn't it? Because we almost get conditioned now, say, in the university area to think there's always a course that you have to do for something. But actually your life skills and the experience up to that point, being an English teacher and organising events, you know, I guess, correlated nicely to the requirements of, of that role. Yeah, because as I've been reminded on several occasions, probably what I was doing when I was a school teacher, which was not only in the organising things during term time at school, but I was running a, my own football team on a Sunday morning. Sometimes it wow. even turned into our own rugby team. Yeah, I was taking cricket trips, tours around... Organised. Was, ad, was it adult men's football? Was it on the Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had yeah. to yeah. deal with hangovers and trying to people oh, trying to God, get out yeah. of it. Yeah. Those days it was Sunday morning fun. Yeah, not league stuff, mm. but we had some great times. Yeah, and I remember going. We took a side to Layhill Prison to uh, <sighs> play against the inmates there, and oh. our guy got injured, and one of their guys, one of their players, came rushing over and said, "Leave it to me," yeah. and. Uh, he was a, a doctor, believe it or not, and sorted this guy out. <laughs> That's a bit scary. I wonder what he was in there for. Yeah, yeah. well, I was told, but we won't Shipman. say now. Yeah. I was told. Yeah. yeah. So that that was quite... I remember that yeah. vividly now. But no, that was all part of what I did, I suppose. And yeah, so what I did at school, I really turned it around and became a business. It's interesting that meeting, say, on the pedestrian crossing, because nowadays what you often have are these sort of formalised networking things where you have to go and shake hands and... You know, it's very staged, but what sport, I suppose, does is provide a vehicle traditionally for, for people to meet naturally, like you're saying, build those acquaintances and, and then you can use those in, in other ways later on. It just pop, You never know when it's going to pop up. No, and I suppose you've got to be reasonably bright yourself to be able to snatch that opportunity yeah. when, it, when it arises. And off I, off I went to Gloucestershire and after a couple of years, got very much involved there running, as I say, their corporate hospitality and here at the Cheltenham Cricket Festival in particular, but um, for some reason, I can't remember the exact reason, but I thought I could be doing this for myself, doing my own business. And I went to the chairman there and, and, and sort of nervously asked him, would you consider if I were to continue doing what I'm, I'm doing for you, but setting up my own business? Yeah. And yeah, he said, give me a day to think about it. Came back and Ken Graveney in those days, Tom Graveney's brother was yeah. chairman, came back and said, yeah, we, we'd, we'd agree to that. So thankfully gave me that opportunity and I, I started a business here in Cheltenham in Imperial Square yeah. with Gloucestershire as my client and they paid me a fee of £1,000 a month I know to carry on doing what I'd actually been doing 
at the time probably was what I was earning as a wage, I but, imagine. But, but psychologically, it felt a lot different to you to have that liberation, did it, to be your, your own man? Yeah, my own man. Again, I suppose I was my own man, literally, and it was up to me. And I, I, I got cracking and had one or two ideas and mm. went to the new boss of the racecourse, Edward Gillespie, who just arrived there and said, could I put a tent up there to sell some hospitality? Yes, he agreed to that and went to my brother, who was got a gun shop down in the high street here in Cheltenham and said, I've got an idea about organising some clay pigeon shooting days. But he's an elite level shooter, he isn't is, he? Yeah. He is the and Olymp- was Olympian. even then, yeah. So, yeah. He, he's, he's done six Olympic Games himself. So, wow. uh, But he had no idea what I was talking about, but he said, great. So he provided me with some expertise and some equipment and he provided all the professional side of the shooting days and these days at stately homes around the country took off so much that within no time we we were doing 100 days a year corporate clay pigeon shooting. It really was a circus on the road, to be honest. It was an amazing time to be around because obviously some of these sports, you know, like horse racing, hundreds of years old, cricket, hundreds of years old, football, probably nearly 100 years old, professional game by that point. But yet you were around when suddenly what business and money started to, to flood into it. What was that process like? Was it just a, a light bulb moment for people of, you know, more capitalistically minded that suddenly, oh, we can do things around sport and clubs can make money out of, of giving businesses days out? Yeah, how did sponsorship come about? To be honest, it wasn't my idea, but I, I jumped on the back of it. Um, yeah, now, now, you, now you mention it, I'm, I'm not sure what it was. Did I it come from America? Like evolving. Did, did it come from America a bit? Because you've watched, they've always seemed to be very advertising-based, their, their sports, or maybe further back. No, can't even, I don't think America came into it, but late 50s was the first sponsored horse race, I know that, but yeah. they still hadn't taken off really then until suddenly at, at the time when I was setting out, which was in the 80s, then sport was taken. I suppose television was very much involved, yes. wasn't it? If we think seriously now, you've, you, you've brought up the subject. I think television and media mm. in those days... You, know, you can reach an even bigger audience than those in the stadium. I, yeah. I think that must have been surely what was really yeah. what it was all about suddenly and the scope for putting your name on a boundary board or on a football shirt and that sort of thing. Yeah, suddenly. I think Liverpool were the first team to get a sponsor in were the they? UK. Were they in the, were they? Or maybe it's Leeds. I'm not sure. There's a kit maker. Leeds had a kit maker, but maybe Liverpool had the first... Sponsored name across the middle of the chest, you know. So you had the what was that, Carsberg? No? Carsberg or Crown Paints? Was it? No, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I don't go. Yeah, yeah. We've got Liverpool fans listening to this, You're the shouting. Expert. Yeah, I know it's true. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit. It's actually before I was born, but it's, it's interesting to see that. But because where well, we are now, where we are now, it must must have been television. That, yeah. that brought all this about. Because where we are now, forty years later, with the television and internet and everything like that, it's a huge amount that business is intertwined with sport, isn't it? <sighs> What's the difference these days? Yeah, you tell me. Yeah, between the two. Yeah. So, so you did. So you did that. You were doing the the cricket, and so and but you're doing cup finals as well. When you're organising days out to yeah, cup finals. Yeah, in, in my early days, I, I I did hospitality all the major events, be it cup finals at Wembley, Ascot races, uh, Wimbledon. Yes, and in those days, rugby internationals, one had to find tickets. And yeah, how did you find tickets in those days? Now, I, now I look back, rugby <laughs> rugby tickets and. Were worth their weight in gold. But and how, how do you buy, how do you physically people by younger age might be thinking how do you physically buy tickets in those days? Because people now will go on the internet and buy them. But you were what phoning up no, the I, FA I, or I, I, no go with the, the RFU. You certainly or... couldn't phone up the RFU or the FA. Or yeah. People like that, no way. And certainly, <laughs> yeah. you can't do things like that. Yeah. No, all sorts of rules but, and regulations. There yeah. were ways and means. Let's put it oh, like okay. that, shall we? And yeah. don't ask any more questions. <laughs> in those days, we're talking a long time ago. But yes. yeah. I'd have had people in those early days at Rugby Internationals at Twickenham with a open, open top double decker bus, that yeah. sort of thing. But no, we went to all the mate, 
all the major events and allied to this corporate hospitality I did in clay pigeon shooting with Ian and and the race course where it just grew and grew and I got bigger and bigger at the race course and how lucky was I because it was just down the road on my doorstep and really I just built a base of customers at the races for the March Festival of probably in my heyday it was eight to ten thousand people over the four days you you hosted eight to ten thousand people Mm. yeah wow yeah yeah Incredible. So, how because the festival obviously we people live in Cheltenham now know it's an epic event and four days of racing, but a week long event in terms socially for people here and descend upon the town from all corners of the the globe for that. Was it as big then? Is it is it grown? Is it is it been the same same significance? What what have it, you observed? It's it's it was sold out on three days in those days. Early yeah. days then changed to four. Still sold out from Joe Public side, but on the corporate side, people have probably forgotten. But the the heady days of hospitality were the very late uh, 89, 90. Really? And, and those were the days when Cheltenham Racecourse's tented village stretched right way beyond where it is now, into the riding school, into the car parks, and across the other side of the racecourse. The, the number of covers provided in 1989, 1990 would have been many more than Was that, that before a recession then? Was there a recession then? Yeah, a yeah. recession came three or four more years after. Yes, three or four years after that, and things then changed. And the companies doing this corporate hospitality probably got a little bit more selective and better at doing it because they gaily invite people. They all jumped on a bandwagon, 30, 40 people to an event. They wouldn't even all turn up. I remember our shooting days. We were doing (laughs) booking days for 30 or 40 people and probably 20, 24 would turn up. Really? uh, They were paying there for... And you didn't have it... People wouldn't text message on the day and say, I'm not going to make it, whereas, yeah. No way, no way. Just wouldn't be there. No way was there a text (laughs) message. So... uh, Send a letter. Yeah, the companies got better. Their their invite sort of guests became sort of tables of 10 rather than big parties of 30 or 40. Yeah. And yeah, those those days... Most people, I think, even in the industry now, wouldn't realise, but the, the numbers aren't what they used to be. What, what is the rationale for a business and, and going to a sports event? I was interested, I was speaking to a guy from um, Tim White, an event at the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival. He's a designer, they've got a company in London, but they had a box at Arsenal, and he was telling me that, this was a few years ago, they ended up cancelling because it was £100,000 for the year, and it worked out at 30 games, maybe, potentially, but then you couldn't get clients to go on weeknights, for instance, and things like that, so you didn't end up having that market filled but the idea is to just to forge to to forge those those human connections isn't it at at those events yes some people might even use the word bribery comes into it there is even a bribery act what emotional bribery whatever you want to call it yeah Yeah, what what corporate entertainment is looking after your existing customers or attracting new customers and that's yeah. what it's all about entertaining people in so when they come with a business offer you think oh we did take me out on well, a, a day out yeah yeah is it really like that <laughs> Just, you tell me again i'm not quite well, sure they've got a rubbish service but, you probably wouldn't still use strangely them, enough in all this corporate business the the box at arsenal or the box at the race course you'll normally find the gentleman signing off that box for either the football or the racing is a very keen racing man or football man himself and strangely mm. enough that 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 is often the case. That they just want to be at the event and well, be part of it, yeah. 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 Yeah, they, they, they enjoy being at the event and that, that, that's certainly a trend yes. when, when somebody's making yeah. a booking, yeah. A bit like golf days, I suppose, like you know, networking, they like, they like yeah, going yeah, out yeah. to play golf. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Uh, why do yeah. these companies yeah. sponsor 
uh, major sporting events. Normally, the big boss is is a keen golfer or yeah. racing man. Well, you've always wondered that about golf that the finance involved is phenomenal, particularly on the PGA Tour in America. But not many people watch it on TV, relatively. But actually, the prize money is phenomenal. But that's because the banks sponsor it and the credit cards and everything, and because they like to take oh, they like to take people to them, yeah. as well as taking people there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, so, I, I was very lucky that, that I built my business on, on we, exactly what we're talking were about. Were you still playing sport whilst you were embroiled in the hospitality side as well? Was it, was it possible? Because it sounds like it was almost 24-7. It was 24-7, but I was, oh, I suppose my better days, remember I didn't start this time, I was 35, my business. Yeah. So my better days of playing sport here in Cheltenham for <laughs> Cheltenham Rugby Club or even Cheltenham Football Club, Cheltenham Cricket Club. Yeah, uh, I was still running my Gloucestershire Gypsies cricket team, and still even to this very day, I'm doing that. So, really? Uh, do you still t- do you still play? This is the first year I haven't actually got on a cricket field. And oh, seeing man. we have our last game on Sunday. You're gonna get on? Uh, I'm tempted to, but I'm not. No, so I think that could be. Yeah. The end. Have you been sad? Did you? Oh well, no, that is very sad. I mean, yeah. that must feel. Yeah. Yeah, but it's great that you've been able to keep it up for so long because a lot of us find it's difficult with work. Yeah, I'm, particularly I'm, I work weekends, so it's, it's quite hard to keep up. Yeah, but like everything, if you want to do something, you somehow yeah. manage to do it, don't Make you? Make it a priority. Yeah. yeah. So no, I've, I've I've run the gypsies for well many many. So you've been years. you've been batting and facing decent yeah. quick bowlers and into your seventies. Yeah, I was a decent cricketer. Yeah, keeping wicket actually. Ah. If I'm being playing really serious cricket, so I had some. good Have you days. kept wicket recently though? In the recent years. Oh, a couple of years ago, yeah. And I wow. kept wicket in the six-a-side tournament in Chiang Mai for the Gypsies two years ago, yeah. <laughs> that six-a-side in Chiang Mai that must have playing cricket. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that must have kept your reflexes and everything in, in, yeah, in sure. sort of line as you got older, do you think? Well, you can see I'm quite, quite a vintage here, but I'm reasonably <laughs> fit. Uh, had my eyes, well, five years ago, had new lenses put inside my eyes, refractive lenses, not laser really? surgery. But I, and suddenly now at this old age, it's I not can connected. see better than I've ever been able to see. Wow. I, was, I was actually in my youth. So very, that's not laser eye through. surgery? That's no, more no. than that. More yeah. refract- the, the, the lenses are somehow put here at, up at Moorfields. I had them done by a top specialist and Phenomenal. got talked into having them done means I can wake up now and look across and see the time on the bedside table for well, the first get, time. get back out on the cricket pitch well, then, if that's do. the case. I should yeah. do, because yeah, I can see better. No, I was minus 10 plus, and that is very, very short-sighted. Yeah. Could wear contact lenses to play rugby, but my eyes would dry up, so I couldn't even wear them to play cricket. And mm. A quick or long day in the field, mm, yeah, it would be difficult. Just dried up. And Would you wear glasses I, like Jack Leach then? You know, the uh, oh, recently the, the I, test match for England, cleaning I, I, his glasses oh, to, God, to try I, and ebb time away. I in Durban, playing on a cricket tour in Durban, where it was so hot and muggy. And Barry Mayer was umpiring this game, and I just had to have... He carried a cloth for me, as well as the other umpire, and I was just forever trying to clean my great big thick glasses off there. And yeah. people will joke about that to, <laughs> to, to this day. Did you have proper head pre- headwear to protect your glasses as well in those no, days? No, no way. No, no. Got my got my glasses a throw deflected off a batsman split right above my eye here. Still got a bit of a scar here yeah. from from from, uh, <laughs> that, and that was the day at Cheltenham College playing when I was at school. Yeah. So because uh, the eyesight uh, is why. Because I heard Michael Vaughan talk about that. It was when as a batsman when you realise the top level. It's when your eyes just change a little bit where you're not picking the ball up early enough. Is the is often the key key time for them to think. Hang on, I might, might think about retirement here. Yeah, I I think in all honesty. Sounds a bit pompous, but if I'd had decent eyesight as a, as a cricketer, I, I could have been a very, very good cricketer yeah. because I just could not pick up quick bowling quite quick enough. I'd get onto the back foot almost 
automatically because I just needed that split second more to yeah to be able to see the ball because physically you can get between the wickets till a ripe old age oh, can't you oh yeah no, no no trouble from that side but your eyes are the key and once your eyes start to go mm. then yeah you get problems well here am I saying at the ripe old age of 70 something that my eyes are now better than ever which is ludicrous it must be surreal that actually yeah. you must feel like a little boy again is it? yeah, it's a strange, yeah. yeah. And, and a bit more vanity as well you know yeah no forever having worn glasses all my life yeah but, uh, no but i've got short-sighted actually i'm minus one but it's you still feel yeah. but you still feel that you know you still get at night you don't recognize faces across the road and things and it's you know you can wear glasses and contacts but it's it does um i think it gives you more confidence doesn't it when your eyesight's feeling great so but the hospitality business it thrived didn't it around sport yeah and so this was going into the 90s and and you just kept going i think and i yes i kept going and i had a couple of offers of people came to look at me and wanted to perchance buy me even and um by the company it, or by you by the company <laughs> yeah. no no but you've hit the nail on Keep the you head on. there really buying me was buying the company because that's what it was yeah. the company was me and hence that's why perhaps one isn't quite so saleable no as somebody else might be but would they want you contingent at that yeah, point they want, to want stay my, on they'd want my contacts and yeah. mailing list and my little black book probably yes as one used to have anyway but quite often my brother-in-law's been involved in a card uh, transportation company and they've been bought out and they've all made a lot of money it's been fantastic but he was saying that they he has to stay working there as part of the conditions because they don't want to take uh, over the business and, and try and do it all themselves they want the, yeah. that kind of that human that human kind of quality I, to I stay probably might not have enjoyed that either anyway because you would have given up your I'd autonomy given, given up my autonomy yeah and I, I it didn't happen and I got no regrets at all and uh, let's be honest I've been very lucky and, and it's given me the opportunity to having got involved in my racing as I have yeah. done over the last few years and have had a nice few horses and uh, caught Fergal at the right moment when he was wanting to start out on his own or when he said to me that I'm thinking of going on my own. And So you backed him financially at that I back, point? I backed Fergal, yes. I can't yeah. remember if I just suggested it or he asked <laughs> me or we met somewhere in the middle, but... Yeah, that was. So does he know? Did he know how much money he needed to to start? Was it? Was it? Was it? Because I guess it's a fluid. It's a fluid. It's a fluid. Fluid business. I don't know if he knew how much money was needed at all. I can now tell him how much money was needed, and it might have been a bit more than you might have thought. But anyway, he caught me at the right time, and yeah, it's been the last few years. It's it's changed my life, to be honest, and. You've got how much the joy you've got out of the whole process. Absolutely, yeah. With and there's nothing better having a winner and being lucky enough to have a fair number of winners. That does that feel better than winning a sports match, winning a cricket match? Does it? it because it, of the, it's so difficult. Yeah, is it the whole process? No, no, never been asked that question before, and probably not a lot of difference, I suppose. Mm. But there is still a great kick, and it's totally out of your control <laughs> as your horse is coming to the last, and you're hoping and praying it gets over it when it looks like winning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I suppose it's, it's perhaps it's just replaced that sporting kick you used to get out of winning a cricket match or hitting a six or scoring a goal or something. There's lots of moving parts in horse racing though, isn't there? The whole, you know, you, the, the genetic analysis of the, where the, the horses come from, but then it's not what was Fergal was saying to us last, Fergal O'Brien, who uh, as on the last podcast, you can look it up, was talking about training out in Andover's foot in Gloucestershire. It's not an exact thing where you've got a fast... A fast mum and dad and the horse is going to be quick. No, far from it than what you're paying for horses yeah. in this day and age too. And in fact, 
well, I've had quite a few horses now, some very nice ones. And if I say to you, the cheapest horse I've ever bought mm. has actually been my best horse. Really? Then that really <laughs> does throw the whole thing into a ridiculous How do you work out the value? How do you work out the value? It's an auction usually, isn't it? Is that right? Auction when you buy them, yeah. This yeah. particular one never even got a bid. It never even had a reserve. And I remember Fergal ringing me from Doncaster and saying, I think this might do for a bit of fun, this horse. Never thought at the time it was going to be yeah. particularly good. And for £6,000, we bought it. And um, yeah, that's been placed at the festival. And that, I suppose you could say, is is... The best, yeah, she is. It was a mare. She's the best horse I've ever had. And, and ironically, put it all in perspective, she's a mare, so she'd done mm. very well. She was going to be worth a lot of money as a brood mare. Yeah. And then at the fest, her last, the last festival, she was due to run in. They gave her a little pop over the hurdles the day before the festival on the Monday, just for as you do with horses. They called it a little pop. Just skipped over a couple of yeah. hurdles. She skipped over the second one and went down and broke her leg oh, no. and never raced again and obviously never went to stud. So I think that probably just put the whole to, game into perspective. Did you have to put her down? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, how, how, how difficult was that? Because how, how much of a bond have you formed with these horses? Because I know you were up on the gallops and yeah, yeah and well, see them regularly. You, have, you do form a bond with your horses, but l- let's be quite blunt. If you can't take that sort of mm. news, that sort of thing happening, you shouldn't be in it because it, it is... A game where I'm afraid these things do happen. And very emotional. Yes, I remember breaking down in tears. And I remember hearing the news in my office the day before the festival and going outside and being most most emotional at the time. But yeah, you somehow have just to be able to take this because otherwise you shouldn't be in it and wouldn't be in it. Well, it's, it's how you wrestle with these issues, isn't it? Because I, you know, I've never boxed, as I said, but I've been a not an advocate necessarily, but certainly celebrating the, the qualities I, I know of boxers, their openness, the courage to get in the ring. And there is an element of boxing should be banned, some people argue, because of the the mortality rates that happen occasionally, you know, the dangers involved. But obviously boxers know when they go in there, they, they know. what. How do you feel about the, the issues with horse racing and sometimes people who don't like jumps in particular and the, the dangers involved for the horses? How do you wrestle that whole equation? Do you ever debate with people who, who want horse racing banned or that particular type of horse racing banned? I don't think it becomes a debate, to be honest, because you're never going to win. No. And if they're fixed with their opinions, yeah. you have to accept the fact it's no use telling them they don't know enough about it and they, they don't understand the sport and how happy these horses are at home. I'm beginning to give you a bit of a lecture now, aren't I? So I shouldn't, but there is no point in, argue, in just, arguing. Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious how you, because we all internally process these things, don't we, how you I, feel I, about I, it? I try not to get cross when, when one is confronted, perhaps, but... Yeah. Um, it's again a fact of life, and and the horses would. The argument is the horses wouldn't exist if they weren't. If they it wasn't weren't for the sport, the sport, and that um, you only have to come to the yard, and you'll see how happy they are, yeah. are, and how happy the guys and girls are that look after them, and the bonding that's there. And yeah, oh, okay. Some people might say that you would be biased, wouldn't you? But um, we're. we're we're going to struggle to win the argument because as life goes on, it gets more yeah. and more difficult. It's a lot of arguments, yeah, a lot of divisive um, debates and a lot of uh, vitriol sometimes. But it's, it's, it's interesting, a horse, I said to Fergal, I was reading a book um, last century with a friend or something, and you don't realise how intertwined men and horses were for, for centuries. And you think that it changed. I mean, you must remember even as a, a boy, were there more horses around? And did you see more in the streets? My mum said that even when, in the 50s, she'd see the, more horses in London and things like that. Pulling the dray carts and yeah. that sort of thing. I can only vaguely remember them. 
Yeah. In the, I was in the country, I suppose. You'd see them pulling a... In yeah. The, in the field. But they're our partners, weren't they? Indeed, yeah. Pulling a plough. Yeah. yeah. And then we sort of got mechanised farming and everything changed and, and motor cars, so it's, it's very different. But what I did, up on the, it was beautiful up in the rolling hills of Gloucestershire, watching these horses gallop up the hill. And it made me realise that those people involved in that are so much more outdoors, aren't they? And do you feel that as part of your sport has been for you, is just getting outdoors, playing cricket, being at the, the races? Is it made you feel healthy? Because we've got the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival on which I've been talking. People are yeah. trying to work out how, what makes us feel better and trying to unravel some things that maybe we used to do in the past that we don't in society. Now we sit in and sit on computers, perhaps. Do you feel that it's, it's been good to get outdoors and get to the gallops and keep you young? Yeah, but then you, all the time you know you've got to get back to reality and get back to that office or get back to that daily drudge yeah. of life, perhaps. And you make the most of it, don't you? Yeah. And you breathe it in and you say what a gorgeous morning it is. And I, and I tell people that's coming up on the gallops is something that money can't buy. And to be honest, that experience is so, so special. And I have to be honest, at this stage of life, I don't have an office to go back to and that sort of thing. But <laughs> well, didn't you have, yeah. you, most, of the, most of your work, you said in the early days, on a fag packet, you said, yeah, oh, you, that, planning that, your... That was, that was the financial side, I think I remember saying yeah. that I yeah. scribbled. That's how I worked my budgets out on the back of a fag packet. But uh, yeah. you, must have, you yeah. must have a natural flair for arithmetic then, if that was the case. <laughs> Is that what it is? Your basic. That's a good word. I suppose, when it, when it, I suppose when it matters, it's your income. You That's do, it, don't yeah. you? Yeah, one doesn't have to do that so much these days. And uh, I suppose you do when you're buying a racehorse, to be honest. So um, yeah. perhaps... Uh, do you take Fergal's advice or do you sort of read around it? How do you select what horse you're going to get? Totally in his hands. I I have no idea. The, a little bit of knowledge is a very dangerous thing, as you'd know. Yeah, and, any, anything, uh, yeah. No way. You, you have to... And some of the time, of course, he's taking somebody else's advice and listening yeah. to somebody out there in Ireland who's yeah. telling him, as the Irish do in their own inimitable style, that uh, this horse is going to win a race or whatever. Yeah, but, uh, international. Yeah, they're, they're all going to do that when they're there having never raced before. But no, take, take his advice and to be quite honest, what else should I be doing? And in the horse racing, is Cheltenham the Festival still the favourite part of it or do you enjoy the Grand National? What's your, your best? I think, yeah, the goal, the dream is the Cheltenham Gold Cup. Yeah. And that, that is the FA Cup final, the World Cup final, if you like. And, yeah, that's what really keeps us all going. And, yeah, every horse I've got, I suppose, you start off thinking this could win the Gold Cup, but then there are hundreds and hundreds of others doing the same thing. And I think, what, is the, what, are, the, what are the rates? I think nine out of ten horses never win a horse race so uh, yeah what are your odds and actually winning the Cheltenham Gold Cup let alone any <laughs> other race but you a bit of luck involved as well can't you the conditions and things like that whether they suit your luck. horse and what oh, happens on the actual God. sequence of the race I think I think luck is more important in sport and when I look at this current cricket series I've been following it mm. I just the ashes think, yeah, I think just luck. And when you think of England winning the World Cup and then winning that game the other day with Ben Stokes and Jack Leach, yes. we used up, let's be honest and blunt, more of our luck than we had probably well, the reviews, ever entitled. The reviews went for them. The reviews, yeah. whatever else. And in sport, at the very highest level, I honestly think luck is more important. Yeah. A ball hits the post instead of screaming into the goal. Yeah. Conversion just misses or a bounce of ball in rugby sometimes. I think just, and let's be honest, you've got to accept the fact. I don't often hear commentators, reporters mention luck, but 
No. I Sir Alex believe. Ferguson always said that, didn't he? The Manchester United manager said that, you know, a good manager is a lucky manager. Did he? Yeah. Well, then you probably say he makes his own luck. Yes. By how hard he works and how hard yeah. he trains his guys, whatever. But I still think the bounce of a ball is yeah. really at the highest level. Thank heavens you could say what it's all about. And on the other end of what you can control in the, the mastery and skill in the Ashes series, we've seen something kind of almost unprecedented apart from having Don Bradman and Steve Smith and what, what he's put together in the, in the innings for Australia and almost to cut above everyone else. When you look back at the sport you've witnessed, be it horse racing, rugby, football, uh, cricket, what, what are the genius performances that, that you really stand out for you that seemed where people sort of ascended to a, another level, be, be they humans or, or animals, horses? And it's fascinating, though, Steve Smith, you mentioned, and, and forget the ball tampering incident. Yeah. He first got picked for... Australia as a leg spinner who batted. Really? Yeah, think, yeah. that's how he first got in the side. Because he turns his arm over occasionally. Occasionally, he yeah. still does now, occasionally. But what he has become, and he looks so, so almost freakish mm. in his in his methods. Inventive, isn't it? Yeah. Inventive, I call it freakish. You say yeah. inventive, yeah, one and the same thing, I suppose. But but it's someone, it's someone twisting traditional technique, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and has mastered it. Yeah. And, and fair dues. Give him all the compliments you can. Yeah, I've been fascinated to watch him and trying to think, what is this all about, his method? Because nobody else could use his method and be successful. No, no, you couldn't imitate that necessarily. You couldn't no, teach it in coaching no manual. No way, no. That's not in any coaching what, manual. What are some other, other greats that you've, you've witnessed and sort of almost taken your breath away? Heroes. Yeah, just people that you think have just, you know, sometimes they ascend to that level even above the, the, the normal elite. Uh, the, a guy called Gary Sobers in cricket. Yeah. I don't, probably you're much too young West, to West remember Indian, him. Yeah, he was yeah. a West Indian, yeah. but he could do anything and he could uh, send a message from a field just to go and put me a bet on a horse race <laughs> at Epsom at the same time. You, he was a genius. Uh, you put him above... Viv Richards and Brian Lara as, uh, as West Indian cricketers. Viv Richards, I actually caught Viv Richards, his first England, English innings here. He really? played for a club called Lansdowne. He'd been brought over by a bookmaker called Len Greed to play for this club. And he played for the Lansdowne against Cheltenham in a, in a Western League game. And he nicked <laughs> one down the leg side. Really? If I said I'd dive three or four feet to my left and caught it inches off the ground, you wouldn't believe me, but I did. Well, no. But that was Viv Richards' first innings wow. in England. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Uh, but it shows you how how human we can all be at times as well. Yeah, yeah. Caught Coley down, diving down the <laughs> leg side off a guy called Rick Rutter. Wow. But yeah, it's, that's impressive. And you've been to a lot, you've seen a lot of rugby, haven't you, as well? How's rugby's changed? Is it immeasurably since the professional era in terms of the style of the game oh, and the, the yeah. physique of the players? Physique, yeah. In my day and age, I played some decent rugby and played for Cheltenham in their good old days when we played Gloucester, Coventry, Bridgend real top fixture list in fact I played four times against Gloucester one twice drew once and lost once so uh, that was a different era but yeah. yeah in my day I played fullback and could catch anything and kick a bit um, yeah it was nothing I just would be scared to death I think these days trying to tackle some well, it, the injuries are an issue aren't they well. coming forward yeah, yeah. they're no, concerned about totally concussions now and... it was much more fun I think though then since more space because players were less developed less big and less sort of quick almost oh. do you think they need to make the pitches bigger there's an argument isn't there they say that because it's the same size as a football pitch yeah. but you've got 15 a side and less players is a simple solution but yeah. then they'd all say we're getting too near rugby league yeah 
if it weren't for rugby league, they'd be doing it. Yes. I can assure you, that's a simple solution to that. Because it used to be the argument was you ran for holes, whereas now they seem to run into each other. It's oh, the... yeah, not much fun, isn't it? I get no kick out of watching rugby no. at all these days. Mm, that's and, interesting. Hence, I choose to watch my football rather than rugby. To be honest, yeah, this bash, bash, bash is just we, we not sport as far as I'm concerned. No, we haven't talked about football club, um, but you, are, you have been involved in Cheltenham Town. You've seen them rise. Suppose from non-league to, to sort of League One at one point. Now back in League Two, they've had a sort of few skirmishes and yeah, to Saturday, stay in there. Saturday afternoon is Cheltenham Town. If I'm not racing, basically, and yeah, I go away a few times as well. You've helped the club out as well, haven't you? At times, you oh, a couple of couple of times, but yeah. that's sort of between me and the club. It's not yeah. sort of public knowledge, but yeah, it's been uh, been a little helpful along the way. Yes, indeed. So we're still there, and, and do you, but you see that because you must believe in it as what important to the community to these sporting institutions yeah I think local local sport yeah and, and aren't we lucky to be able to nick along to Cheltenham Town on Saturday and I'm back home at 10 minutes it's great after, isn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the yeah. attraction well, I thought of trying to take I my think... daughter to because I want to take her to a first game but taking her to yeah. a Premier League club and having to get there hours before and trying to work your way into the stadium yeah. and stuff like that would be difficult yeah. no I, I'm uh, yeah I'm just keen it's, it's my local team and I get a kick out of it yeah and then um, when you reflect on everything um, as a businessman as well just quickly on Cheltenham Town I think your phone's just buzzing actually yeah, there a little bit I'm but yeah that's okay yeah. <laughs> probably uh, Fergal's got a horse oh, for you I'd imagine yeah. By, yeah. yeah but when you reflect on Cheltenham Town because it has risen from non-league hasn't it yeah. and I think the league initially was 20 years ago they've been down in the conference since but what, only for one year yeah that's under Gary Johnson back fair dues yeah I'm not sure if anybody else have they done that. I'm not sure, but anyway, I'm trying to think if um, not, not too many. Grimsby have. took a while, didn't it, to get back? I think. I don't thinking, know. But yeah. anyway, we did. Thank heavens. Otherwise, we'd be where would we? Yeah. we'd be now if we hadn't got back that first year. I suspect. But what's your take on the town? And because presumably for for that couple, and we've seen with Barry that it's okay having grandiose dreams and owners are coming with loads of money, but actually you need sustainable sort of structure in terms of a fan base. Do you think that that fan base can grow as a as a man who's in hospitality, can they market the club more to, to get bigger attendances or is there a natural plateau for, honest for a town this size? Honest answer, probably not. Yeah. We, we haven't got the tradition. We've only been in the league now not that many years. So we went up to Division 1 and the gates increased a little bit, but because we struggled, they dropped down again. And when you think just down the road here, we can pop up to Villa or West Brom or even to Swindon. Yeah. within 30, 40 minutes. Bristol City's not far, is oh, it? Oh, Bristol City, yeah. So there are many, many people in Cheltenham doing exactly that, and they're not yeah. going to change loyalties. So I think you've got to be realistic in this day and age and not have too many dreams. Yeah, but you think there is an awareness about it, isn't it? I think some people don't even realise there is, there is a club there, and maybe that will change and evolve the longer they, they stay around. But I think those that wanted to realise would have known, to be mm. honest, and... Yeah, I think they build on what they've got. Let's try and be positive and yeah. not dream too much. Be realistic. And, and that's what Cheltenham Town has become, I believe. It's like be solvent, done. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and they've got things now, I hope, trust and, well, I know they are, much better structured. Well, how, how impressed have you been with Michael Duffer? We know he says to me, you know, it's great having a good run, but as soon as you have a bad run, people will probably sack you. So he's, he's very philosophical about that. But because he, he, I don't know the exact high right but I think they're sort of what the smallest five budgets in league two or something oh, in that and it's like, how impressive yeah. you've been with these he's managed to pull that together with is it a 14 game unbeaten run at home or something like that I believe yeah no, and, and with due respect I know Shane his brother yeah. better, than, better than Michael but 
Um, they're both good cricketers. That helps. I think they're both uh, nice <laughs> blokes, good blokes. And, and with due respect, I think um, Michael's probably, uh, how can I put it, a very intelligent guy and a bit more intelligent than many of his football contemporaries. Yeah. And that, that surely must help when it comes to managing a football team. And yeah, I think he'd be just be very realistic. And, and He's worked his way up, hasn't he, from the bottom as a player as yeah, well? Yeah, played in, 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 I think, nine leagues, hasn't he, from... Yeah, out, out, yeah, 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 the only man to actually play football right from the Southern League right through to the Premiership. So, so you have to you have to be a thinking person to track that path, don't you? I think it, it incrementally. Yeah, I mean that that surely must have served him in good stead for being a manager of a Division Two football club. And yeah, I think I might put my money down now and say I see him going up rather than down, wouldn't he? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it'd be good. I think this season's going well. Yeah. Um, how do you because ref- yeah, that's interesting you say cricket you think that helps you in in terms of strategizing and in 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 thinking things through yeah because i think just a lot of football people with due respect are just so football orientated yeah. from such an early age especially in this day and age where they've been sort of on academies from seven or eight years old or whatever yeah. but yeah just to have seen life and to have played other sports is is surely of benefit yeah. and yeah, I, th- I think these days these these guys, professional footballers, you know, we know how they, the money they earn, the money they spend. What, what do you make of that? Do you feel that since you were a young boy as a Birmingham City fan and do you think that increasingly the elite footballers have become removed from the fans? Do you think, is that swinging back the other way now because they can connect with them on the internet to a certain extent? What, what do you, because it seems to be they're, um, they're almost off in an, an ivory tower sometimes, aren't they? Well, that's exactly where they are, aren't they? And... and who am I to say? But uh, I just think they're they're in, in a different world. They just do not understand just how the rest of the world lives yeah. and utter, utterly spoiled. And okay, let them make the most of it, but they're not in the real world. No. And how do when you reflect on your many years of of being involved in uh, cricket sport as a boy, as a man playing it, watching it, working in it as a businessman? What do you think? we get out of it because there's something that's fascinated me is why I'm still obsessed with sport and you can become a grown man and you think you know there must be something we we get character out of it do we do we get discipline do we get I guess inspiration from watching these these people work at the, the highest level what do you th- how would you summarize that sports role in your life and maybe what it's given you it has been my life probably too much of my life some people would tell you from <laughs> from an early age and it's it's dictated my life but um I've not had a bad life from it and I'd like to think through it all I'm probably a better person from mm. having that involvement but who am I to say? Well we did um, I was actually on a talk we'll wrap up um, a Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival last night it was about the power of human connection and the, the problem of loneliness saying 9 million people in the UK are lonely 4 million of them are older people and I suppose that's what it is in its essence and I remember I went to the community day up for the fans at Cheltenham Town and chatted to Michael Duff with the fans and it was um it was apparent suddenly there that this was the old church this was people coming together do you think that that human element is that one of the greatest attributes that, that sport gives local communities and, and wider communities yes and I think it just somehow gets to the hearts of all sorts of different people from different levels of life and I think that more than anything else at well, that's probably what sport's done for me. It's it sort of it shaped my life from knowing these people. You don't judge people as much because you've met, like you say, all different types yeah. of people. And I've I've met some 
absolute idiots on a sports field, but um, <laughs> some that have done nasty things to me, yeah. called me nasty things. Hopefully I haven't done the same in reverse. But um, yeah, I, I just think it has, it has shaped my life and, and, and given me a better view of life. And yeah, I might just stop and think sometimes when other times I might not. And that's all down to sport. Yeah. Yeah, you do understand different people. Let's talk about idiots. I remember a guy Sunday morning football was drunk from the night before from a stag do, got sent off for a reckless challenge, then got involved in a fight. And after he's had a fight with someone in the change room, but he, he thought it was a guy he'd had a fight with on the pitch, but it's a different person. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, yeah. he, he was our captain as well. Yeah, Although, no, yeah. I remember, yeah. you've reminded me there. I remember one day, this was a very important league cricket match playing for Cheltenham. Yeah. One of our fast bowlers, a fairly fiery fast bowler, disagreed with me when I was making some decisions on the field and they <laughs> wanted a different field to what I'd set. Oh, yeah. And he got in such a, a state in the changing room and he actually whacked me one and broke my glasses. Now, oh, that's no. a dreadful thing to admit, for, but it happened. Honestly, it happened. Well. And if I tell you, it was all to do with us not having to get a very big score. It was against Gloucester City. And if I told you I was at the wicket with him coming in number 11, we needed 25 <laughs> to win in this in a league game, pretty competitive. And somehow or other, we got those 25, or I got the 25, that I then spent the, those last few overs <laughs> with him at the wicket. And actually, I'm thinking, yeah. what did you do earlier? Well, that's a lesson, one? isn't it? You have to sort of suck it up sometimes in life. That's a, a lesson, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a hard lesson. Yeah. Yeah, and there were tears. But oh, man. yeah, that's, that, that, is that a fitting moment to finish? I think, I think that is, yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure meeting you and, and having a chat about all things sport. And, um, you know, thank you for your investment in, in the local sport around here. And, for anyone who's a football fan or a cricket fan or horse racing fan, they'll probably pop see you around, I'm sure. God willing. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Right.